Welcome to the Week Tall at Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Caleb. I'm Colin. And I'm Notch. This week, MLS is back, NASL goes black, and Wenger is still bad. This week I heard on Reddit, MLS subreddit, that Netflix has a Canadian show called 21 Thunder about a fictional Montreal-based MLS team. Don't go watch it. It's crap. If you want to watch a soccer-based show on Netflix, just make it Club de Cuervos, which is actually really good. But I wanted to ask you guys, which TV show were you really excited about until you found out it was total shit or watched it and saw that it was total shit? Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Ah, oh, yeah. Aaron Sorkin's follow-up to the West Wing. Yeah. Boogie. I mean, like, at, at the very least... It completely failing allowed for Thirty Rock to exist. True, because Thirty Rock it was it was the, the exact well. same show except for a suave dramedy instead of the, a goofy the, comedy. Whatever the pretending. fuck the first season of Thirty Rock was. Studio sixty on the Sunset Strip was basically pretending that the set of Saturday Night Live is the Oval Office, which it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> this sketch is the most important sketch in our country's history. This should change. Everything. No, it's just a die farting on stream, but it's funny. <laughs> I mean, at least they had the temerity to use Afghanistan instead of Kumar. <laughs> oh, the Republic of Equatorial couldn't do it anyway. That's a that's a deep cut for only a few people who are fans of Josh Molina. Anyway, uh, Kel, what do you think? Um, probably the Minnesota United match on Saturday. <laughs> Damn it, Caleb, that's supposed to be the next segment. This is supposed to be us having nice, gentle banter at the beginning. No, 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 I had really high hopes from this kind of shit. Yeah, all right. There was, there was that show about, uh, I forget the name of it, but basically the conceit was that all human beings on the planet uh, missed like a minute of their lives. And like planes fell out of the sky, all sorts of stuff happened, and everyone just woke back up. And it was never explained what happened. And that show had John Cho in it. It was supposed to be really good. And then it turned out to be total shit. I was very disappointed. And the, my best thing was that there was two shows that ended on the same, like literally the same cliffhanger. It was basically one guy being like, we should not have done what we did. And the other guy being like, don't talk about that. We did it because of blah, blah, blah. And the other guy, the guy we should not have done that. And then it fades to black. And then the next episode has exactly the same thing from the two villains. And it's like, man, you guys ran out of ideas in like five episodes. <laughs> that really sucks. We didn't think we'd get this far. <laughs> They're like, the pilot got picked up. What? It was just a money laundering operation, guys. We weren't planning to make this. Damn it. <laughs> Crap. Someone assemble a writing team. Uh, but yeah, don't don't go and watch this um, this Netflix show. By the way, 21 Thunder. Didn't they know there was a real team called the Thunder? I think the Minnesota Thunder is like asset owner should go and like sue this team because apparently according to this trailer for 21 thunder there's more guns in the trailer than soccer balls i'm pretty sure it's really and weird where's the number 21 come from because that well, has nothing to do with the game of soccer anyway yeah I don't it's know. very weird it, it is very odd um just just generally by the way the series i was talking about was flash forward hey speaking of flash forward we i remember sitting here at the end of the MLS season thinking like, oh man, I really want to flash forward to 2018. And for the last two months, I've eagerly anticipated what we got this past weekend, which is Atlanta United getting fucking beat for nil. That's what not, up? That's, that's not the segment. <laughs> we have to do the first segment. MLS is back, baby. <laughs> and we got shit to talk about. 
The thing I'm most excited about is that Atlanta game, which we will get to in our second segment of this episode. In the first segment, though, in the first segment, we've got to talk about Minnesota United FC, and that segment is called... Loon monitoring. Loons, of course, inhabit the lakes of Minnesota, uh, much like our defense, um, for the most part, of this game in San our defense is Our defense doesn't really inhabit anything. Yeah, really. you imply that they inhabit space. No, 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 to inhabit, point. you have to exist. The problem so. was that it wasn't a lake, so much like loons, they couldn't take off without the water being oh. under them. So it just, they, they just, they, it, it wasn't their fault, you know, they were just expecting a lake. But okay, so we took on San Jose. The game ended 3-2. Uh, a hard-fought game, guys, where we lost by just one goal. Well, a few things going differently, and everything would have been different, correct? Yeah, um, I, I would venture, I guess, to say that 80 things going differently, specifically the first 80 minutes. Had that happened, then, yeah, maybe Minnesota would have been in the game. Is yeah. one of those things that should have gone differently Ramirez starting? I see where Adrian was coming from. Where's that? But I think it's England, but uh, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, Dunlady is a lot quicker than Ramirez. He wanted to um, get Dunlady in behind, like he did versus Atlanta last year on his goal, and and when they uh, drew the red card out of the Atlanta goalkeeper, he wanted to get uh, Dunlady in behind the, the defense. Uh, they did. San Jose did have a midfielder, Shea Salinas, starting at left back. So I don't know why we didn't have Finley doing, doing the same exact thing on that side. But I didn't see why tactically that made sense. But Ramirez kind of has, I don't know, Ramirez has more of a, a target man build and target man sense of uh, instinct where he can hold the ball up a lot better than Delati can. Because when Delati runs through and gets the ball, he's on his own. He doesn't have any help with him. When Ramirez gets the ball, he can hold up, play, let his teammates catch up to him, and then start the attack from there. I, I would also venture one thing, which is that when he gets ahead, Delati, and has that, he doesn't know what to do with it intuitively. I think Not, Ramirez has yeah, that intuitive yeah. sense. He, and he knows I, to, well. I saw a few occasions on which really good possession was squandered Within the first, I think, 25 minutes of this game. I, I think a lot of that is that Dunlady's instincts haven't necessarily caught up to MLS defenders quite yet. He, he does have a season under his belt, but you know he's used to being able to actually fully beat defenders with pace. Yeah. He still needs to you know figure out how to angle his runs a, maybe a bit more, um, you know, toss a juke in there at some point what i will say though is that if minnesota was planning on playing a counter game with dunlady bombing forward they really should have told everybody else to actually make (laughs) forward passes you don't you don't pull off playing a direct style if your wingers if your fullbacks are not actually going to look to press the ball forward into the middle. Um, you look at the passing, everything was either lateral or back passes. Really the only player that passed and tried to probe defense with his passing was Rasmus Schuler. Yeah, and he actually did quite well, especially on Molino's second goal. But again, it's like yeah. you don't actually play for Dunlady's strengths like that 
without having wing players that are supporting at least within like 10 yards of the run that he's making. Speaking of Dalati's strengths, today in the Star Tribune, it was noted that he was playing despite having a muscle strain from the preseason for a guy who's been injured so much. And injury prone, that seems like even a bigger glaring miss for Agent Heath and the coaching staff. It it was a dumb mistake to me. And so he he came off after 30 minutes with uh, a pulled left hamstring. He's probably not going to play against Orlando, Hadrian Heath saying against that same Megan Ryan piece that it's probably too early. Uh, this Orlando game. But then Ramirez, after coming on, maybe for about five minutes, rolling his ankle, mm-hmm. playing through it, visibly limping, at, I don't know, on occasions, uh, having a swollen ankle after the game. When we went down 2-0, I would have just taken Ramirez off. I would have said that it's just, guys, I, I get it. We don't have another striker, but we cannot have both of our strikers be have long-term injuries. Letting a guy play on a rolled ankle, I think, was... Not the right decision. I know why Ramirez would have wanted to stay on the pitch, having not started, then being given his shot, and like, you know, having that motivation. But I think it was a mistake. I would do that at three nil, two nil. I think would have been premature, given the fact that Ramirez hadn't gotten onto the pitch yet. Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But so <laughs> that's yeah. awkward. Um, it, can we talk about how non-existent the defense was? Sure. I mean, we can, we like let let's let's get. I mean, this, dark this here. again. This again starts with two starting lineup decisions, which is Lampson over Shuttleworth, <laughs> Common over Boxall, or Boxall over Common. That is, yeah. And I can understand Lampson over Shuttleworth. I I predicted that Shuttleworth would be the goalkeeper to, on opening day, but have like a very short leash because he did so poorly in uh, preseason. While Lampson had that. Great game against Atlanta in the preseason. And wasn't the word also that Charlotteworth had yeah. been not necessarily injured, but had been kind of slowed down, occasionally sick here and there? Yeah. So he wasn't at, wasn't at 100%. Um, I'm trying to say a few things positively about the team before we head on to the dark, dark days of Deftones and Morrissey. Go ahead. Um, when Molino is... On, he's on. He played fantastically those last 10 minutes. It's a great play by Ramirez to get the ball down in the box for him. Ibarra and Warner changed the game. Heath used his subs well, just didn't use them early enough. Um, Ibarra made two great runs to free Molino on both of, both of his goals, and Warner was a force in the midfield that we didn't have for the first 80 minutes. Um Nicholson played well. Mears on his, didn't play well, but on his corners, they hit one of our players, and we actually had I, chances on goal. I would say corners. Mears played poorly. I, I would say that he had, this, he had a serviceable game. It's just that it was very clear he also got tired around 60 to 70 minutes in. Yeah. Uh, Mears was actually... Yeah, I, he wasn't good. Yeah. He was actually play. the best attacking threat in the first 20 minutes when it was nil-nil. Molina also at that point squandering some balls um, mm-hmm. through that game. It, what about Ibsen, guys? Like, what, what do we think about Mr. Ibsen? It's not too often where Ibsen is outplayed by his midfield counterpart in the offensive uh, offensive game, and Schuler did that. I don't know where Ibsen's head was, but it wasn't in San Jose. Yeah, Ibsen did have a better passing percentage, I think, if my math was right on that. Um, he was pretty much anonymous in the game mm-hmm. and it, that's it's weird to have a game where 
Ibsonity doesn't lead to anything, either positive or negative. Schuler, on the other hand, was someone who made himself known, I thought, in a really great way. Yeah. Working really hard, particularly early in the game, to win back balls. Going at it. Yeah, um, he, you can tell he has a new sense of confidence after last year's kind of almost hor- well, horrible display with Minnesota. Two hip injuries. Going over on loan for a championship team really helped him out. Um, Ibsen and also Finley were pretty much anonymous. Finley had like one shot on goal early on and then disappeared from the match, which warranted Ibarra going on for him. I think you look at the game, you think Nelson or Ibarra at left wing, you should probably thinking from now on Nelson, Ibarra, and Finley can rotate those three wing spots. I think now it's time to get on to those negatives that you were talking about, particularly with yeah. defense. Go ahead. Our defense looked abject on San Jose's goals. They were out of position. Um, San Jose was able to just keep the ball. No one closing down attackers. Men so, wide open, unmarked. I mean, it, the first goal, I think, was the best microcosm of why Minnesota doesn't do well defensively. Not only did you have a failure to close down somebody with the ball at the top of the 18, you then had three guys, two of whom were out of position, being stranded in no man's land, trying to figure out where exactly they're supposed to defend. If they're supposed to be man marking, if they're supposed to be pressing the ball, if they're supposed to be just a body to block it. None of that actually happened at all. And granted, like it, it was a decent enough shot from Danny Hosen, but at, at no point did Minnesota seem interested in actually getting the ball away to prevent a shot from even happening. It, I, I would say that it would be mystifying, but I'm used to it now. I'm I'm I've been dulled to how bad of a performance that was. You have to wonder if Cronin was healthy, if he would have been there. Um, he's still out with concussion symptoms from stemming from a concussion he suffered last season. No time to on him coming back. Our future number six seems to be uh, Luis from Fernando coming in on loan from Fulminis in Brazil. We don't know when he'll play. We don't know if he'll be any good. I mean, it's that position is so important in this league, as we'll see in the Atlanta game. Um, having a strong number six is almost vital while playing on the road in MLS. I think the final word on this game has to be that I think it was a more flattering score than it than it really was. I think we worked yeah. we worked hard at the end, but it was also somewhat San Jose stepping off the gas a bit, which they've done before. This is something that San Jose has yeah. done in the past, and we took advantage of that. Yeah, right. I. I I do think throughout the second half, Minnesota looked a little bit sharper. Yeah. I and think, then I think in the last 15 minutes, it really became apparent that San Jose was coasting and Minnesota was at least trying to play their way back in. Any words on San Jose before we move on? Um, Wando didn't score. That's it. That's all I think from this game. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Hosen yeah. got named uh, MLS Player of the Week. Get used it. to 
Minnesota opponents getting named MLS oh, Player of the Week. I'm I'm sorry, but it, it's going to happen more than once. All right. Well, we did play better than our opener last year, technically. I think. I, I think we did. Yeah. Honestly. So, yeah. So that, that's I, mean, I was good. there for that opener. Aside from Vadim Demidov being terrible, I don't know if Minnesota played better Jimmy against Taylor. Portland. Right yeah, that too. That Russian so, defense was not good. Let's move on talking very quickly about the roster before we move on to the other MLS games because barely any of our new signings are on this roster. Harrison Heath, of course, the prince that was promised, and Tyrone Mears do show up on the Loon's MLS roster. However, Echo, um, the Louise, Bang Up, um, none of them are, are on there. What's yeah, up? because their visas haven't arrived and therefore their contracts are more than likely not valid. Is that confirmed or are you, is that speculation on your part? It's informed speculation from the various beat reporters who have said that's what they're waiting on. It's it's kind of boilerplate within MLS contracts that if the player is not able to get a visa, then the contract's null and void. Well, yeah, I think the thing that I'm struggling with, why we don't have this confirmed by the team, why the team isn't, you make a big deal out of signings and it's not like we have a lot of great signings. And then you find these three guys who arguably are the ones that we're most excited about in the group, not showing up on the roster, no explanation provided. Um, also, no explanation for all the the multitude of international spots and how that's going to be resolved in the future, what the team expects. Just, I, I feel like this is being handled poorly, in my opinion, um, the lack of information. I think if there was like a big name like Zlatan type who had come here, who we could celebrate and be like, oh yeah, we got that new signing, he's playing really great. That'd be one thing. But I'm just a little disappointed with the fact that what few signings we do have the information about why they're not on the, on the roster is being held so close to the yeah, chest. Yeah, the front office and the PR department should be spinning this in their favor. Whether or not they lead out enough information for all the fans to know what's going on, they should at least be trying to stir the, turn the narrative to, and take control of the narrative and make it look like they know what they're doing. But right now, with all the unknowns, we just we just don't know what's happening as with a, those three players. As a counterpoint to that. Uh, why would you show your cards if you need to trade for an international slot? Like, I, I think why would you make a move that you don't have to do? Why would you, for instance, terminate Jose Leton's loan even if he's not even with the club and is apparently in Costa Rica? How about why would you accepting the fact that you have more international players than you have spots? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that... Or at least coming out and saying the team has a plan to deal with this. Or at least leaking yeah, through informal channels. Press conference or anything, but leaked it out. I mean, to it's... Star Tribune or Pioneer Press or hey, 55 one We didn't do some news out there, guys. <laughs> yeah, listening. How about this? Um, it's it's <laughs> fairly simple to trade for an international <clears throat> slot. Then There's do not, it. Well, again, why would you give up anything well, until you know that you actually need it? The Chances fact- are, and uh, I'm pulling this completely out of my ass here, <laughs> but... Chances are that they know, for instance, that when Fernando comes in, he'll take the current open spot. They know that when Pangup's visa comes in, he'll take the Jose Leiton spot. And then they know that if Bertrand Echo's visa comes in, either A, they'll be able to 
trade for an international slot or B they'll be able to loan him to St. Louis where he, he actually stands a chance of playing. So Kaku Gamara was signed on February 16th, 2018. Okay. And France up was announced on Jan 9th, 2018. Why don't we have their visas already? What's going on? Three players all signed. None of them have their visas. I mean, I, I'm just, these are all things that, I mean, I would like to at least be told they don't have their visas instead of this being wild. I mean, each each explanation you're giving, which is that, oh yeah, if, if they don't have their visas, what's the point? Then why don't they have their visas? Why don't we know that they don't have their visas? We just, well, every, I'll, I'll caution every, by saying that it has leaked out from Meg Ryan over at the Star Tribune, Andy Greeter, Jeff Reuter, they've all reported that the visas are not in. They haven't reported why. And chances are that the reason why is because they have a really bad immigration law lawyer. Now, that's the kind of speculation I don't like. So <laughs> we, we don't, I mean, that, that we don't know at all. Yeah. So I, no. I don't, that's not a word I want and to go down. Without the team kind of turning the narrative and taking control of it, we come up with that speculation that they don't know what they're doing and their immigration lawyer is not I, good. I, I, I don't it's, know. I think we're yeah. speaking about... How about yeah. this? The track record, especially after Jerome Tiasone went through a similar situation, having been signed before the season opener and then having to sit out at least one game because his paperwork had not arrived, there's evidence that they are not good at this. Okay. All right, let's now move into the segment that we call the major listing service where we talk about MLS and not houses that are on sale, but rather the top what? division of soccer in this country. Let's start with the games. Uh, we'll get to the predictions at the end. Toronto, reigning MLS champions, beaten by Columbus. The Austin crew coming out with the two goals. One scored by Giazzi Zardes. Don't say the Austin crew. Uh, there's good news on that front too, which we'll get to in a second. But um, Is that really good news? The Jazzy's artist score. No, no, no. The uh, we'll talk about how. Yeah, it, let's yeah. talk about Jazzy's artist scoring a goal, which is unexpected um, against Toronto. Even more unexpected, and Pippa Higuain scoring a goal less unexpected. Yeah, Pippa's goal was a decent one. Zardes. It was laid on a silver silver platter for him. Yeah, finish. But yeah. also, if he start, starts scoring goals, who are we gonna make fun of on this podcast? Yeah. It's, I, don't take this away from us, Giassi. Don't be so selfish. <laughs> God damn it. I mean... We need this. Giassi's artist scoring goals is probably the way that you qualify it to be part of an MLS team's EMLS side. Giovinco has hit the bar in this game. Zach Steffen making some saves as well. It is now clear that Toronto are in crisis. And uh, <laughs> uh, really, you know... Just packed in right now, Vanny. Right. I mean, it's just, all just over. cancel your yep. season tickets if you're a Toronto Trade fan. Trade Josie right and now. Bradley to us. It's it's all downhill from here. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Houston at home beating Atlanta 4-0 in the best result of this weekend. Um, Atlanta Fantastic. proving how terrible they have always been. Um, just a horrible team. Uh, everyone knows that. Everyone's been saying it. Believe me, folks. Um, Atlanta is bad. Actually, a lot of people had been saying that Atlanta's failing is that they don't have a midfield and they don't have a defense. And guess what happened? They don't. They have got overrun in each of those spots. We watched four minutes of this game uh, a few minutes ago, and in that, just in those four minutes, Houston had a preponderance of balls behind the Atlanta defense. Just. 
playing at will through Atlanta. Not even behind, just they ran at them and Atlanta's defense failed to stop them. You made a comment, Colin, that uh, Brad Gazan played really well in this game despite having a, <laughs> conceding four goals. I think we've been saying that a lot when That's goalkeepers something that I concede. Say. Right. And I think I think we say it because goalkeepers have, when you're just, defense is so bad that there are just a million shots at you, just statistically, you're probably going to save a few of those. I don't think Gazan had a particularly good game. I think he just managed to make a few saves and so he looked good. Which is his job, to make saves. Right. Yeah. And um, at least one goal, he made a glaring mistake. The fourth. Yeah. yeah. The fourth goal, Gazan for no apparent reason, decides that he's going to parry it with his far outstretched hand, doesn't punch it, doesn't put any weight behind the ball. He just basically blocks it back into play. The ball was going out for a goal kick. Uh, There's no one behind him when he did that. Um, If you watch this game, you witness the Demidovization of Jeff Lorenowitz. He is a shell of a man after this game. He was torched constantly or more importantly he's a defensive midfielder and not a center back which might have been Demidov's problem the whole entire time we don't even know Andrew Carlton starting this game on the bench wonder boy ain't so wonderful anymore huh um yeah I just I I am looking forward to Atlanta having a negative 78 goal difference at the end of the season Almiron missed an absolute sitter and And a penalty and, and a penalty in this game it's Truly all downhill from here for Atlanta as well. Yeah, just trade um, on their own right now. Get rid of them. Honestly, with Tata Martino at the helm, they don't have much of a bench. They didn't play Miles Robinson, the number two overall pick of last year's Super Draft, who's a center back. He wasn't even the match the 18 squad. So they play Lorenowitz, traditional defensive midfielder at center back. They're, he's just a, he just doesn't know what his defense is right now. He can't be figuring, figuring that out in the first month of the season and expect them to make the playoffs. I think my reaction to this game is just summed up by Thor just throwing his beer mug on the floor saying, another, you know, just, <laughs> just bring bring me some more of this this season. Please, please, please. Philadelphia Union defeating New England 2-0. Lee Wynn not on the roster. On the roster, maybe time to poach at number 10 from New England. New England also had both their center backs on off in this game. They so Brad Friedel's reign off to a fantastic start. You would think that a goalkeeper would know how to talk to center backs, right? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. When I mean, Cody Cropper was back in New England, they played this game in Philadelphia. They said that he was back in New England with an illness, but also mentioned the same in the same breath that he wouldn't have started anyway. So, like, why even bring that up? <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing him at center back in the next game. Uh, oh. CJ Sapong and Anthony Fontana score for Philly. Brandon Bai, he of Minneapolis City, gets his MLS debut. And then he came on after the second Ryder card. So he had, like, we don't know how he is or how he did because he was basically under fire the entire game. CJ Sapong celebrating with a Hindu prayer gesture. Looking forward to him visiting some temples. Orlando visited uh, their own temple, their new stadium, <laughs> and tied DC 1-1 on a final minute, like, in stoppage time goal from Loon's legend, Stefano Pino. Pino in the morning, Pino in the evening, Pino at supper time. When Pino's on the field, he's a score at any time. I, I took... Um, 
I took my girlfriend to this game at the watch party and someone sang that song to her and she got so excited and I, it was just heartbreaking for me to be like, yeah, that that song was for a player who's who's no longer on the team. So you could move Abu into there pretty easily. But we got, but that's my, one of my favorite song is he's done Ladi and he scores when he wants to. <laughs> that's also a great song. Yeah, that, that is a fantastic I mean, song. That, that is a great song. So we, we can't really go with that. Well, um, Pino's erstwhile Fort Lauderdale Strikers colleague, PC, getting a red card again in this game, elbowing someone in the head, uh, turns out, not worth it. Do they do they have an extra card in their back, other back pocket that's the blue screen of death? Because if so, <laughs> they should keep that on hand every single time that Orlando plays. Yeah. Uh, Yamil Assad predictably scores his first for DC. Um Kind of an awkward goal, though. Yeah, free kick from my like, left side of the field. Just kind of swings in, doesn't hit anybody. Bennett was screened by the players in front of him, and it went in. Yeah, everybody got bundled into him. You're off your game with the offseason calling. Bendick. Ah, there, there it go. is. All right, keep practice that before next show. Yeah. Uh, Dallas tying RSL 1-1 in Dallas at the Toyota Stadium. Joe Plata carves through the Dallas defense and scores the opener, say my notes. Yep, they do say that. Ramondo yep. had a couple good saves in this one after, uh, and Dallas did hit the crossbar. And they would end up equalizing on a Marcelo own goal. He did look very, like I find frequently when there's an own goal, the player who scores the own goal is just like kind of shell shocked. Marcelo just looked like he wanted to like hit something, murder someone, <laughs> and he he punted yeah. the ball out of the and, net. I, yeah. and to be fair, like it, it wasn't really his fault. It, it was one where I think it might have hit his plant leg, possibly. Uh, like it, it was, it was a a lucky own goal. Yeah. I just one time when someone scores an own goal, I want to see them celebrate. Like, just go with the other team. <laughs> <and> like, <laughs> I mean, did you see the supercut that MLS made of Bobby Boswell? Uh, no, but I did see Large Supercut, which is a great song, saddest dancey song I've ever heard in my life. Very, very good track. Very good track. Seattle invited LAFC into their home for LAFC's first game, first regular season game. And got beat 1-0 on a Diego Rossi goal. Yeah. LAFC started this game fantastically. They almost scored in the first minute with Latif Plessing hitting the post off of a cross from Rossi. Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Were they playing in a pool? He did fall on the ground afterwards. So yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. It, was, it was a diving header. Yeah. Not, I'm not, it's not a joke. It was an actual diving header. Yeah. Well, that's what he does best. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, he's got to work that into his game somehow. This coach was probably like, Latif, listen, you've got talents in this whole diving situation. Just go for the ball next time <laughs> instead of just falling over when someone like walks by you and the breeze hits you. So, um, and you know, I mean, he does have blessings. So, yeah, it's, it's good. So, uh, but Tyler Miller, former Seattle goalkeeper, played in a postseason game for them last season when Stephen Fry was injured. Injured, sick, ill, something. something like that. But he had a great game for LAFC. Uh, him and Lawrence Simon ended up having the best stage of the game and kept Seattle scoreless. LAFC did slow down near the end of the game. Kind of maybe that, those expansion legs weren't as... Well, uh, you know, they're all dressed like DJs, and at the end of the night, you do slow down the tracks a little bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and also the, the fact that they have, like, 19 players that might have... 25. They got up to 25? Good for them. They do. Good yeah. for them. Good job, you guys. They still... Uh, their their roster is still outnumbered by the number of owners. It's pretty funny. Vancouver <laughs> beat Montreal 2-1 at BC Place. Kaikamara gets the scoring started. with oh, Beautiful header. 
just inch perfect header. Then Crossman comes in from Davies and just kind of flips his head at it, barely moves his head and just hits off the post and in. Fantastic. I mean, it, to be fair though, that thing that's on the top of his head that appears to possibly be hair, that had to have spun that thing, right? Yeah, it's definitely a top on his head that he uses to put spin on the ball. I mean, if play the game. Play yeah. the game. Yeah. Uh, Alfonso Davies, not eligible for the Budweiser Man of the Match as he's only 17 years yeah, old. Yeah, a few more years there, bud. Yeah. And and it's first said two years. And I was like, well, what? Then I was like, Canadian. Yeah. Age of, age of uh, Although then again, lower there. Is it, is it Budweiser up there? Like... I'd be mad if it wasn't like Labatt or, Labatt's or, or Molson's. Molson or Molson A. That was wow. It's like we had a Canadian in the room. Where did Colin go? Right, exactly. Uh, oh, sorry, guys. I was out to the tournament of please hearts. Stop. Please, please no. stop. Please stop. Please uh, stop. Davies is scores first senior goal for uh, Vancouver. SKC getting beat by New York City FC 2 0. When I turned on this game, it was actually first I thought both teams were their opposite number. SKC wearing a jersey that looks exactly like NYCFC's away kit. NYCFC wearing their home kit, which looks like SKC's home kit. Yeah, for the, like, the first, I, I watched this entire game and like the first 20 minutes, it kept to remind me, Kansas City's at home. Kansas City's at home. Kansas City's at home. That's the FFVA. Okay, good. That's, that's, uh, you, you know who should player. have been reminded of that? Kansas City. Yeah, they did not play well at all. No. At home. Uh, New York City kind of controlled the game. And two goals from uh, Jesus, Med- Jesus Medina and Matthew Morales sealed the game. There was a little bit of controversy here of VAR. Uh, of course, what other controversy in MLS is there? But uh, Matthew Chanel took down, I think it was De- uh, Saloy in the box for Kansas City. And Kansas City was given the penalty, but it was... Reviewed by VAR, and they ended up making the right call, much to the Kansas City fans and chagrin, and the penalty is waved off. It was a terrible ta- decision to tackle. He did have a terrible angle on it, but he did the ball first. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean anything anyway. Just to know was sent off a few minutes later for pretty much a similar play, just outside the box this time. David Villa having an uncharacteristically, um, I don't know if Loki is the right word, but he did squander a yeah. couple of chances in yeah, he a, a two on one. Uh, two on none. Well, I was yeah. I count the goalkeeper, but like a, a awesome break. Didn't pass the ball quickly enough and got caught up. LA beating Portland two one. Joe Savarese's MLS coaching career started exactly the same way his MLS career started against or with the Metro Stars, losing two one to the Galaxy. Ola Tamara scores his first goal for the LA Galaxy in his debut. A very strappy goal. He scores him with his chest as he doing just sandwiched by the goalkeeper and a Portland defender. Not um, to be outscrapped, though. Yeah, Roman Alessandrini knocks one off the post and then scores on his own rebound. Alessandrini will come off later with a hamstring injury. Um, Tampa limping after a counter-attacking run. Uh, Siani, uh, a Dalton defender, should have drawn a penalty from Farfan, but for some reason, VAR wasn't reviewed. Farfan went through the back of Siani, terrible, didn't miss the ball completely, and the ref didn't even look at it. Which, if you have VAR, I did. It's controversial, and a lot of people over the over in Europe don't like it at all. But if you have it, use it. 
Yeah. Call the penalty. If it's not a penalty, you'll see that on the VAR. Ohio has sued Precard Sports Ventures. Uh, in, in the reason I said Austin Crew earlier was because they have now sued PSV. The state of Ohio has under the Art Model Eindhoven. Law. <laughs> Uh, the the owners of the Columbus crew have been sued under the Art Mordell law that was passed um, in the wake of Art Mordell moving the Browns to Baltimore. Exactly, and uh, we sport guys, but come on, yeah, it's so still football. There are a couple of legal opinions on this, um, but I want to focus on the fact that this was entirely avoidable by MLS. This has become a PR own goal. With an entire state full of people now hating on you, another state full of people, or at least city full of people, kind of scratching their heads and wondering what the hell is going on mm-hmm. in Austin. I, this could have all been avoided. This could have all been avoided. Just ask Precourt to sell the team to some guy and give him an expansion slot. Um, pass an MLS bylaw that says an owner cannot move a team. That the best they can do is petition for an expansion. Just get it done. And you avoid all this negative press. Instead, we have this complete crap show with the MLS commissioner coming in favor of this obviously um, bratty owner. Mm -hmm. It's pretty sad. And by the way, go look at the Save the Crew jersey. Pretty cool. They've got all their own sponsors on it. Um, Very, very awesome effort. It's, It's becoming clear just how much goodwill for the Columbus crew was in this community and how little uh, pre-court did before kind of throwing in the towel and saying, there's no support here, we got to leave. If you want some of the legal opinions, um, American soccer legal Twitter is a very, very uh, robust place, which we'll talk about other reasons why that's important in a little bit here. Um, Essentially, what it boils down to is Ohio's law um, stipulates that any team that had received taxpayer support um, needs to, at the very least, give prior notice and approval um, to the relevant local and state governments before they uh, decide to up and move, which apparently Columbus, or apparently Precourt, did not do. Um, The question is whether or not that's even going to be relevant to how MLS runs, as well as whether or not it's relevant with the Interstate Commerce Clause. I, I hate to tell let's, you to go on Twitter, yeah, but go on Twitter. Yeah, let's let's not get into any of that stuff over here. All right, it's time now to take a break. We shall return with the rest of our show. All right, welcome back to We Call It Soccer, part two of our show where we will be focusing on the rest of U.S. soccer and world soccer as well. Uh, But first, I want to mention that I have published an unboxing video, my third annual of the Minnesota United season tickets. I got the version with the sleeve, not the one with the box. So go check that out on YouTube. You guys, of course, watch this video. Yeah, yeah, sure. I don't believe it. No comment. It's been on the air for... Four days. You could have done it anytime. I'll watch after I get my tickets, which they still haven't come yet. See, but that's why you should watch the videos because you don't have your tickets. You don't know what to look forward to. So, uh, spoiler <laughs> alert <laughs> a clear bag. Ooh. And uh, do you think that flag can even fly? I. It's not supposed to fly. It's like a standing banner, dude. 
you just hang it from the ceiling. Like that's what it is. It's 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 like it's one of those like standing banners that you can like put on like a column or you know on your office cubicle. It's not supposed to fly, dude. I mean, I was hoping to at least put it like on a pole outside my house, but yeah, you could. I mean, you can you can just hang it from like a a wall. That's what it's supposed to be doing. So against the house. Yeah, but I I can't put those mounts in. I I rent. Yeah, that's see, that's I I, I don't think that's Sean Shit Sitnik's problem. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's not Sean Sitnik's problem. It's Sean Metastow's problem now. All right, with that, let's move into a segment we call the Pyramid Scheme, where we talk about soccer from the rest of the U.S. soccer pyramid that we haven't discussed already. First up, our hopefully never again recurring sub segment. NES Armageddon 2018. Uh, this time we have a catchphrase for our sub-segment, which is NES Armageddon 2018. This time it's for real? Yeah, it, it is probably for real. NES is cancelled its 2018 season. Sad days, we won't get to see American Soccer League play on the quote-unquote international schedule. Uh, apparently there's one staff member listed on the NASL front office page now on their website... Uh, it's looking more and more like this is kind of a legal fund masquerading as a soccer league at this point. Um, so it's NASL. Right. <laughs> and Cosmos owner Rocco Camiso had a pretty crazy batshit conference call. Go read any Cosmos reporters' articles about it. It's pretty nuts. So it sounds like the Cosmos are donezo. Yeah. Um, Dave Martinez actually tweeted out earlier that Aside from Cosmos B playing at the NPSL season, there's no plans for the Cosmos to continue after August. I think Cosmos need to watch some Sesame Street because Cosmos B now is Cosmos A. Uh, Miami have sounded conciliatory in the in the statements that they have put out, um, and so it sounds like they might be headed to USL, um, which would be weird given that Ricardo Silva is still suing USSF about pro rel. Right, but it, it, he he sounds a little bit more conciliatory, and Camiso has said some derogatory things about Silva on this phone call, so there might be some funny business going on there. Jacksonville still talking about Division Zero. Jacksonville, I mean, Robert Palmer had announced today that they were looking to build a new stadium in Jacksonville. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know how they're going to do that, but more power to you, Jacksonville. It's such a waste. I mean, it's such a great franchise, such a great fan base. Just go play in USL. Play nice. It's okay. Yeah. And uh, the California teams are said to be talking to USL, or at least one of them is. Um, San Diego has apparently, I, I think it actually has announced its intentions to start in USL in 2019. Um, Cal FC in Orange County, they already have whatever they're calling that club now like they have another club that they've yeah. announced yeah. yeah so we, we no no the the team that's been in the league for the last like four years right like x o c blues whatever the name of them is now didn't uh usl announce a club in california a few weeks ago um if they did it would have been san diego <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to see. They they announced a club um, recently. Yeah, Fresno is going to. Oh join. yeah. Well, so, I mean, yeah, Fresno is a little more inland, so right makes sense. You also had um, 
Puerto Rico announced that they are now on indefinite hold and per Nippon Chopra over at Sockdakes, they have laid off all but three employees. Um, the writing's somewhat on the wall for them, unlike, but they say they're still negotiating with the city and the Puerto Rico Football Federation. Let's now move into a segment that we call The Sewer. In The Sewer segment, we talk about our Ninja Turtles, the NTs who live in that sewer, our national teams. We have the She Believes Cup with the U.S. women's national team playing against France, Germany, and England in that tournament. My spirit person, Megan Rapino scored. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, uh, first game in Columbus, kind of under um, not only terrible weather conditions, but also the continuing awkwardness of the U.S. continuing to play in a place that might not have MLS anymore. Um, it still was kind of kind of a scrappy game, uh, but Megan Rapino um, scored on... Decent enough goal. Fine goal. Um, they then drew 1-1 against France at Red Bull Arena. France Pango? Uh No, uh, France Country. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Eugenie Le Sommer, um got kind of an early goal, very quickly equalized by Mallory. Pew, pew, pew! But only one pew went in. <laughs> U.S. versus England is tomorrow. The U.S. will win the cup with a win, and England can win with a win or a draw because England themselves have not uh, lost yet. I believe. Yeah, um, both teams are no, one one. No, you don't believe? She, she believes. believes. True, 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 true. Timothy Weah, he of the U.S. youth teams, and he of uh, Liberian President George Weah's um, loins. <laughs> He's a son. Um, <laughs> Tim Bay has earned. Wait a minute. Hold on. Spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't gone through fourth grade yet. This is how babies come from. Also, this has an explicit warning on our podcast. Don't look. You're, no, don't listen to this. Right. We're your right, parents. Exactly. They're bad uh, parents. Tim Weah has earned his first senior cap for PSG, played 10 minutes, the last 10 minutes against Troyes, and had a one-on-one opportunity saved by the keeper. Also, Balu Tabla, he of the of Canada, I just remembered this, uh, who went to Barcelona, has been playing with Barcelona B. Ah, the northern sewer. Right. He earned uh, a, a cap, or not, not a cap, he earned a roster spot for Barcelona in the Catalonia Cup. So kind of a minor tournament. He's he's in the major squad. There's still some questions about whether Balutabla will represent Canada or Cote d'Ivoire because last year he refused call-ups from the Canadians despite then-coach Zambrano working hard to uh, try to score him. If anyone is concerned that Tim Weah might end up uh, playing for his father's homeland, which is kind of important because his father is the uh, now president of Liberia. Um, another American soccer legal Twitter opinion came from um, Stephen Bank that potentially if George Weah kind of tilted the scales to have his son play for Liberia, that could actually qualify as political interference in the running of the Liberian FA. Okay. All right. Uh, with that, let's move on to a segment we call The Pub, where we have coverage of English soccer. We travel to England each week, of course, travel to a new pub, 
They sometimes have very suggestive names of last week's soccer happenings in England. So which bar are we going to this week, guys? We're going to the farm upstate. And we have to check to make sure that our Zamander has made his way here. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about some sort of insurance no, company. No, no, no. Um, he's... He's not gonna no no well no maybe he, next week yeah Arsenal I, first losing consecutively to Manchester City three nil two different matches uh, one in of course the FA Cup final one no, in the no. League Cup final yeah Carabao Cup Carabao Cup League yes. Cup final and get then, your sponsoring energy drink correct notch and then of course losing the City just that following Thursday three nil and then this weekend at losing, home no less yep at the Emirates which um, was pretty empty and then losing against Brighton at Brighton two one. Okay, so I will say about the Emirates being empty thing, uh, it was like thirty degrees with about twenty five mile an hour winds. So I went to the snow snow pinner. Yeah, like yeah. there were like Which had a Wenger outside actually. Coincidentally. <laughs> That's right. True enough. Um, now, as for the rest of it, um, what the fuck is going on? Like, what in the actual fuck is happening? In that locker room. Do we need to discuss this at this point? I feel like we're having so many repetitive conversations. We've discussed is should Wenger go? We've discussed why aren't Arsenal's players showing leadership, drive, or their potential? Okay, here's the answer. Um, Neither the manager nor the players are capable of it. The only possible solutions are to fire every single player or fire the manager. Yeah, we we I, I remember sorry, having like, this exact discussion, and as they say on our slow uh, fan TV, I'm tired, Robbie. I'm tired. Uh, so I think we should just leave it at that. I think I think at this point the writing is on the wall for Wenger, except that Stan Kroenke owns this team, which means absolutely nothing can happen. Yeah, I'll say this: Arsene Wenger's job, I think will actually rely on him getting through the Europa League. They go up against AC Milan, who under new manager Gennaro Gattuso, I believe, haven't let in a goal in six games, something like that. I they haven't lost in like eight yeah. games, with seven of those being wins. Like They're on a tear at the moment. Uh, yeah. So we will see. I mean, I think Arsenal is now. I mean, it's it's literally just the whole thing about Arsenal is that it's all played out. We've talked about it. Next, they'll win a game, and then we'll have to talk about how like, oh, they can turn it on sometimes. I feel like it's the same conversation over and over and over again. It's like that. That this should be like the these the new lines for that IT crowd episode should just be all of this conversation <laughs> about Wenger drive and then how they've turned they can turn it on at occasional on occasional occasions. Uh, City. Going up against Chelsea, City winning 1-0. Antonio Conte. Just either doesn't have a clue or doesn't care anymore. Does Chelsea play? I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. <laughs> like, they had they had two strikers on the bench for that game. Right. And Eden Hazard, who's a winger, was their striker. That would be about as dumb as pulling off Christian Ramirez for Kevin Molino. Notch. <laughs> uh, just despicable tactics from Chelsea it was a very boring game City got their goal and pretty much toasted the rest of the game City have just a few more games left to clinch the title they might do it at the Manchester Derby we do not know 
yet, though. Some some variables in the picture. That Liverpool going up against Newcastle, getting goals from Salah and Sonny that I watched at an airport. Nice to seal the the deal I watched here. on my couch. Yeah, I had fun. I did I was as eating, well. I was eating. I brisket. enjoyed it for you. Yeah, thanks. I was eating brisket though. I was, I, oh, I was the, I was fuck the, the, you, the, man! I was at the Salt Lake uh, restaurant at the Austin airport. And I, I mean, I, I was eating avocado toast. Nice, because I'm 25 and a shithead. Apparently, it is very millennial yeah. of you. Yeah, I do. I did buy a hundred dollars worth of brisket, frozen brisket, to bring back here which is now in my freezer hopefully will still be in my freezer after you guys have left um why the hell did you mention that call my tonto three go for the brisket <laughs> no 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 <laughs> I, I i did enjoy myself some dry rub but anyway talk about liverpool liverpool continuing to show that they are a team transformed yeah i i don't know what exactly happened if it was if i think it's just a, a a combination of a bunch of things. Tarius has really grown to the number one role after a couple of shaky starts. Um, he had a fantastic save for Newcastle should have equalized right before halftime. Andrew Robertson at left back has been a revelation and has just taken that position and made it his his own and his to lose. And the Ots, Alex Otley Chamberlain, has had a fantastic season for Liverpool. You're welcome. Oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, Appreciate and... Um, very quickly, want to note that Mo Salah, I believe, has now surpassed um, Luis Suarez's best season at Liverpool yes. this year. So that is incredible. Tottenham meeting Huddersfield 2 0, two goals, both from the human son, um, not the robot. Swansea. His second goal, just to watch that. It's, it's very nice. Swansea beating Wham and George Michael 4 1. Uh, Swansea really turning things around with uh, Carvajal, their new coach. Yeah. Um, since he's been there, I think they have more wins than Arsenal in the league, which is just a stat. Not Carvajal for Arsenal. In, in anyone's face here. But Swansea do go ahead of West Ham on goal difference. A big win for them. Uh, they are currently 16, 15th and West Ham is 16th. At Both of them are three points above the relegation zone. The last time we checked, David Moyes uh, repainting that dark room black. Burnley beating Everton 2-1, uh, continuing their surprisingly good season. Yeah. They, this is their first win in 12, and they're in 7th still. Yeah. Uh, they were in 7th before the game. No one's challenged them. It's, it's odd. This is a weird season where everyone's fighting at the bottom, and the top 7 are just like, cool, we're just going to be up here. Just chilling. And Burnley's basically coasting to a Euro spot right now. United going to Crystal Palace and showing us that um, that they have... That they're, they're regarded well for a reason. The Mania Matic scoring in stoppage time a screamer of a goal to get them the 3-2 result. His first for Man United. It's what happens when Eagles cry. Right, exactly. Uh, they don't call it soccer. In brackets, some do, though, is our segment where we cover... World Soccer, and that's where we are right now. So let's first talk about Serie A, which, um, tragic news, uh, shocking news. I read this, and it took a few seconds for it to really sink in. A story, the captain and center back, I believe, defender for Fiorentina, he's played for the Italian national team as well, dying from a heart attack at the age of 31 in his sleep. Yeah, um, the preliminary autopsy revealed um he apparently had a remarkably slow resting heart rate um that 
potentially combined with a pulmonary edema led to heart attack, cardiac arrest. Um, absolutely terrible story for someone 31 years old, still with not just tons of potential on the field, but also with um, a partner and daughter yeah. having to survive. Um, both Fiorentina and Cagliari um, have retired his jersey number. Um, they're taking a commission. Fiorentina also announced that um, they would be honoring the remainder of his contract and um, paying it out to the estate. Yeah. Everything about this is sad and terrible. And yeah. um, thoughts and everything else to um, everyone that was touched by apparently one of the really good guys of Italian soccer. Yeah, it's a it's a name that most soccer fans outside of Italy probably don't know, but the ripple, the ripple effect throughout all of soccer, the players that came out and said he was a great guy and that they'd miss him and has been all over the world. And it just shows how... Soccer can be just such an overreaching game and can connect people from all over the world and yeah. just love and peace to Fiorentina and also Astoria's family. Serie A postponing all of their matches um, following this news. Seems a little uh, callous in some ways to move there, on there's to no way to... soccer. There's no good transition, yeah. but that's what we're here for, so that's what we should do. Uh, moving along, Barcelona playing Atletico Madrid. And beating him 1-0 after this game, Diego Simeone coming out and saying, if we had Messi, we'd have won. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah, uh, because Messi thing, had that one. <laughs> same thing for the Minnesota game. If what? we had Messi, we'd have won. Yeah. There. Madrid defeating Hitafe, continuing to um, spoil my plans for a celebration if they miss the Champions League next year. I do want to double back to uh, the Barcelona game. Two things. First off, uh, Messi with his 600th goal for Barcelona. Second, Barcelona currently leading the league with 69 points. Nice. Um, as far as the Real Madrid game, um, Cristiano Ronaldo ended up getting his 300th goal in La Liga. So he's half as good as Messi. <laughs> uh, we had Bayern beating Freiburg 4-0 this again a week where the team ranked second to Bayern failed to win a game yeah, this uh, has happened incessantly this year Leipzig and Dortmund tied 1-1 uh, the door opened for Schalke to beat Hertha 1-0 and take over the second spot uh, Schalke's been on a pretty good run in the past couple weeks. How good of a run is it when Bayern currently lead them by 20 points? Oh, no. It's, it's the five for second place at this point. And Schalke is currently winning that. Uh, Torrington Toliso had a fantastic goal for Bayern. Go watch that. Weston McKinney also returned after a lengthy injury spell. In Champions League news, PSG got beat by Real Madrid 2-1, 2-5 on aggregate to Real. Uh, Variety getting sent off in this game. How much money do they spend on attackers this year? On two players, Mbappe and Neymar. Mbappe, Mbappe. <laughs> You're out of the Champions League, suck it. You have lead one, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool uh, tying Porto nil-nil, uh, partly because they were already they, five goals up. It was more of a 
just to get uh, other players to run out, Moreno started at left back, and Milner played all ninety, and Ainge got a shout, and it's, it's, Lana started. So it's the kind of game where like the guys come out like for the game in their training outfit, like oh <laughs> shit, uh, oh there's fans in the stands, so yeah. we're oh we're playing. Okay, all right, cool. cool. Yeah, no, I I knew that. No, it's cool. Well, that concludes our soccer news for the week. It's now time to move into a segment that we call the Reynolds Wrap-Up, where Colin takes a soccer conspiracy theory you know you've been thinking about and makes sense of it for you. So one thing that happened during our break was that Neymar uh, suffered a foot injury that's actually going to potentially put him in danger for the World Cup. He's going to be out for three months, and the World Cup pretty much happens the day after he is slated to come back. However, Neymar's injury also coincided with a strange coincidence, specifically that for the last five seasons now, Neymar has been out for his sister's birthday. That's right. There has been a game on his sister's birthday that either Neymar has been injured or suspended for. I'm pretty sure even that we've discussed the Neymar sister's birthday curse in this segment. However, what we haven't discussed is the fact that this injury puts his World Cup in doubt. I've got news for you, folks. Neymar's sister is getting married this summer. Oh, no. So... I mean, good for her, but also, oh, no. Yeah. And not only that, she had the callousness to not think to herself, my brother, my beloved, who is willing to get himself injured just to celebrate my birthday. He would be in Russia, of all places, during that. Is that not where the ceremony is? No, no, How no, it's happening her. back in Brazil. So, here's the thing. Neymar actually looked and said, you know what? I've invested enough in PSG this year. It's going to be a really important couple of days. We're going to play Real Madrid in the Champions League. I've got to miss it this year. Neymar's sister heard about that news, heard about her beloved brother skipping her birthday and decided to just go ham on him, broke his foot. I don't care if they say it happened during a game. That game happened with a giant baseball bat. She had a whole lot of fun with that one. Name her sister, was trying to make sure that not only would he still make that birthday, but he would also make the wedding because he would not be available for the World Cup. This is a bit of a wholesome conspiracy. I mean, it's wholesome, but it also involves, like, breaking somebody's foot with a bat. Like, is this misery? It's either, it's somewhere between misery and I, Tanya. Yeah, that makes mm. sense, actually, yeah. Yeah. It's a very like, good middle ground like, of horribleness. It, the guy that at least had the initial tackle, pretty sure he had a mustache. Oh, okay. Looked kind of like a little uh, little galuli going on. 
Well, uh, with that, it's now time to conclude our show. You can find this podcast on find podcast providers everywhere. You can find us on Twitter. Where can the good people find you guys? I'm at KM Olsen. No, wait, sorry. I'm at K Olsen 716. I always do that. I'm so... <sighs> so, yeah, I'm there. I'm at 551 as well. I have a series coming out, hopefully this week. Um, current Champions League update. New York Bulls beating Tijuana 1-0. Uh, you can find me at the attachments where I'm posting detailed tactical thoughts after games that, oddly enough, I only had one beer during that game. Mm. You can find me at TWO United Fans. You can also find me publishing my unboxing video on 55.1. So go find it over there as well. You'll also find this podcast there. It's where you should send your friends if you can, if you want to introduce them to this podcast and with that it's time to now call a close we shall come back to you next week goodbye everyone.